I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to another episode of Scam Squad. I hope you had a great holiday, Vicki. It's so nice to have you back again. What do you have for us today? Thanks, Patty. I did have a wonderful holiday. I hope you did also. Patty, I don't know about you, but more and more these days, I seem to be turning to the obituary page in my local paper to see if anybody that I know has died. Maybe it's my age because I have friends who do the same thing. Well, as we get older, we are banned and know more people in our lives who have passed. So I think it's natural to check. If you know someone whose relative has died, sometimes you want to acknowledge their loss. Checking the obits is a way to get that information. That's right. And I'm always interested in what is written about the person who has passed. Sometimes there's lots of information, things like where they lived and worked, where they went to school, what their interests and hobbies are, and of course, the names of their family members who have survived them. Yes, that's true. Obits often contain interesting details of a person's life, things you might not have known, even if you were close to the person. Right. And it's natural to want to tell that person's story, to share what made them special and also to share special memories. But you need to be careful about what you share because scammers are also reading the obits. Wow. And I'm sure if they're scammers, they have a nefarious purpose. Yes, and there's even a name for this, obituary swindles, also known as bereavement scams. When you stop to think about it, there's often a lot of very personal information contained in an obituary. That's right, Patty. And bereavement scams typically start with information gleaned from death notices in newspapers or posted online. And fraudsters harvest facts commonly obtained in obits such as the deceased birth name, where the person lived and worked, family members' names, things like that. Wow, it sounds like the kind of information they can use to steal the person's identity. That's true. And with a few key details, scammers can get other information off of the dark web, things like home addresses, social security numbers even, and other personal data. And what they do is put all this information together, and they can become that person. They can get into bank accounts, create credit card accounts, take out loans, file phony tax returns under the deceased names, and of course, claim bogus refunds. Besides identity theft, Vicki, is there anything else they can do with this information? Good question, Patty. And of course, there is. They can run an imposter scam. So they can pretend to be a government official like somebody from the IRS claiming unpaid taxes or a debt collector claiming an unpaid debt. And once they have the names of the surviving family members, they can also run a very effective grandparents. Wow, these people absolutely have no shame. They are trying to scam people when they are in mourning, very vulnerable and probably not thinking too clearly. Right. And some bereavement scams can be a bit more complex. With all the information that's given out in OBIT, con artists sometimes pretend to be long-lost friends or relatives of the deceased. So they might contact the widow to commiserate and reminisce about this person in their life. And then sometimes these contacts can morph into a romance scam. 
I would guess that for fraudsters, an obituary scam is somewhat safe because the person who knows the truth is deceased. That's right. And that brings us to another scam, fraudsters posing as psychics. They will take money from grieving people pretending that they can get in touch with their dead loved one from beyond the grave. Oh, no. So what could we do to avoid these kinds of scams? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, be very careful what kind of information you put into an obit. Think about what a fraudster would want in order to steal somebody's identity. And be wary of calls from alleged governmental agents or debt collectors, especially if they ask you to pay the debt by wire transfer or some kind of gift card. Don't be pressured into sending any money until you have verified the debt. Also, report the debt to Social Security and send a copy of the death certificate to the IRS. That way, the IRS will know if a phony return has been filed. You should also notify banks. And if you close the account, ask the bank to list the account holder as deceased. Again, this could help stop somebody from opening an account in the deceased person's name. And be wary of long-lost relatives or friends, especially if they raise financial issues. Also, close credit card accounts. Check to make sure no one has made any charges on the account after the loved one's death. And it's always good to check with one of the credit reporting agencies to make sure no one has taken out credit in that person's name. Thank you so much, Vicki, for the good advice and be very wary out there, especially with the obituaries and be very, very careful. So do you have some good news, Vicki? I do. I do have some good news. It's always good news when fraudsters get caught because it restores our faith in the ability of the federal government to close in on these folks and close down their operations. Now, unfortunately, the two people caught up in this fraud were U.S. Army reservists, and shame on them, and they were caught laundering money for Nigerian scammers who were engaged in the romance scam and the business email compromise scam. And just to give you an idea of how lucrative these scams are, these two folks took in over $3 million in about a year and a half. And they were money launderers. That was their part of the business. They opened bank accounts in the name of fake businesses. And that's how they laundered money through to the Nigerian scammers. But they got caught, they pled guilty, and they're going to be spending a considerable amount of time in federal prison. Well, that is really disappointing because our U.S. Army reservists are often our heroes. So I'm so sad to hear that they got drawn into that Nigerian scam. But hopefully they'll turn their lives around and this will be something that they can put in their past. Yes. Yes. Well, Vicki, as always, we appreciate the great advice that you share with us. And would you share your fraud hotline number? Absolutely. Area code 805-568-2442. And again, that is 805-568-2442. And I welcome your calls. Thank you so much, Vicki. Bye. Until next week.